Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This recording may contain content unsuitable for children. Hey everybody and welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm your host Will. And I'm your host Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons from water weirds to will-o'-wisps. And today's topic, we're talking about elves. It's elf time. I cast Fireball. We're live. We're live. We're live. Okay. We're live and it's elf time. It's elf time. <laughs> we are recording and it is time and to talk about some elves. We are going to talk about elves, yes. Um, so elves for me are, well, they're one of my favorite races, but also like I have a lot of background in like fantasy. I've been reading it for a long time. Um, I was raised on Lord of the Rings. So like elves have always been something very familiar to me. And I guess that's not the truth for everybody. Um, so Brian, why don't you tell me what, what your experience with elves before D and D has been? Yeah. Um, like if you really think about it, like, um, like elves are kind of like, they were kind of confusing for me. Like I don't, there were lots of different styles of elves, I guess, or Mm. like different kinds of things that you called an elf. There's like Santa's elves, which I asked my roommate last night before we recorded this, like, so what what is an elf to you? And she's like, oh, uh, Christmas time, Santa Claus. Like, oh, oh. that's not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, like I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, um, my favorite character from Lord of the Rings is Legolas, so that's what I think of. But right. He's also not your like kind of standard elf in comparison mm. to what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, he's not the standard in comparison to today, but he is kind of the basis for what is like the D and D elf. Um. D&D's elves are heavily influenced by Tolkien's um creation of elves in his world uh and but elves predate Tolkien. Tolkien kind of took stuff from Norse mythology and twisted it and bended it and kind of changed it around and turned them into what we know as elves today in like modern pop culture outside of of course Santa Claus's elves and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I went on Wikipedia did a little research and I saw um elves used to be kind of seen as like demons. They were yeah. either viewed as like um, 
like humanoid peoples um, or some people viewed them as like uh, invisible or microscopic. And um, basically um, they were like sexual deviants or they like cursed people and their livestock and things like that and made them sick. Uh, A lot of um, like Germanic and Norse and Celtic people said that like it would be something like a, like you feel a sharp pain or they describe it as a shot. So a lot of people said they would carry around like bow and arrow that they would shoot you with. And that was how they inflicted their curse upon you. Which is bizarre. Cause when you think about elves today, like that's so far removed from what they are now. Like it's, it's so yeah. just little monsters and strange. Yeah. Um, I would say that Tolkien probably got most of his influence from, a an old Norse script called the Prose Eda, where they talk about, Light elves and dark elves, and I believe light elves are described as beings of like beauty beyond imagination. And I think that's where Tolkien kind of he took that and he ran with it. Yeah. And, and Tolkien's elves are, uh, I would say there's probably three major characteristics about them that have kind of carried over and bled into D&D and they're kind of mainstays for what an elf is. Number one, elves are very slender and beautiful humanoid beings. Like, in my experience and mo- across most mediums where elves are described, like even the most plain looking elf is in rivalry of beauty of the most beautiful um, human. Um, another thing about elves is um, almost across the board, they live very long lives, whether that means they just live a couple centuries or they're immortal. Um, it does vary, but like one thing is they they have exceptionally long lives. So are Tolkien's elves immortal, or do they just live a long time? Tolkien's elves are immortal outside of being, you know, actively killed. They they do not age. Yeah, like due to violence, they can die. Yes, exactly. Otherwise, they won't. uh, They keep maturing, like, mentally, apparently. Which is always a fun thing to explore, um, the concept of living that long. Like, what does that do to your culture, your mindset, how you view the world and all that? Like, And that's something to explore as a player or as a DM. Yeah, and D&D lore, it's uh, 25 is when they come to uh, physical maturity. Is that, is that No, I, I was actually just looking at the player's handbook, and it's uh, 100 years old. 100 years old. Well, is that um, – because I think that's the mental maturity of an elf, right? Because like, they yeah. come to physical maturity first. And then oh, they... yeah, physical – yeah, absolutely. I think it is about 25 or so. Yeah, and then yeah, – They um... don't stay children, but they – they have a their mental maturity is what I was thinking of, and at yeah. 100 years old, elves or roughly around that age, an elf will announce themselves an adult and take an adult name. Right? Yeah, they change their name and then they um, they set out. Do they? What do they do? Is there something significant? Like, um, is there like a rite of passage for an elf? I mean, there could be depending on your DM. Um, so we're now we're in talking about D and D elves specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that you know nothing's described about that really in the player's handbook, so that's kind of up to your DM's discretion, which a lot of this game is. Um, I would say again the the basics are the basic three things are um, they're beautiful, they're um, they live a long time, and another thing that we didn't touch on is they're exceptionally exceptionally graceful beings. Like their movements are not not like human movements. Elves are not clumsy. And that translates it, directly as a stat to high does. dexterity. It does. All all elves have a plus two to dexterity in this game. Which is good. I love dex. Yeah, dexterity is an awesome ability score to have high points into. Um, in D&D, there are sub-races of elves. So all elves, no matter what kind they are, get certain things. Uh, they get um, 
dark vision. They can all see really well in the dark. Um, they get a proficiency in uh, perception. They're all, they all have very keen eyes. Again, kind of goes back to the dark vision. Um, they all get the dexterity bonus. They Do they get... Um, I read something. They get proficiency in perception also? Yeah, that's what I just said. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they, they all get percep- uh, proficiency in pr- perception skill. They all get dark vision. They all get... Um, the bonus to dexterity and um, they also all get what is called the trance feature which simply means that elves don't necessarily need to sleep and in place of sleep they can go into kind of a trance meditation where they continue to be aware but they can only perform in extremely light activities usually just sitting possibly reading yeah stuff that, like that it's badass because it counts for uh um, like they do that for four hours and it counts for eight hours of a normal yep. player's rest. Absolutely. Yeah. And that that's so choice, man. Like it's pretty cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes really you cool. don't like there's no way you could feasibly rest for eight hours in the middle of your campaign to like, you know, you want to recharge your like spell slots and uh, right. and like abilities and things that you can use like per rest. These guys do it in half the time. Like I could see you resting for four hours and having that be feasible well, sometimes. Not only do they do it in half the time, but they maintain awareness the entire time, the entire four hours, where as like a human or a dwarf, they fall asleep. You're unaware of what's going on around. Yeah, you they can get sleep. they can get ambushed and killed in their sleep without waking up. Exactly, and that kind of again feeds into the persona that elves are incredibly perceptive, like keen eyes, keen ears, and the like. Um, and then uh, that so that's so that's everything that all elves get. But there are three sub races in D anD D, major sub races of elves. There are the high elves which are, I would liken the most to Tolkien's elves. They're very elegant. They're very educated. Um, they're very refined. Um, uh, they, they're assholes. They, <laughs> they're, they're very arrogant. Yes, it's true. They look down on the other races a lot of the time. They're very well-versed in art and magic and swordplay and the like. Um, and they're, they're a very classical sense of elf. Um, after the high elves, there are the wood elves, which is another different classical take on elves which um also finds its roots in tolkien's work there are elves in um tolkien's work that are very wood elf like wood elves are more in tune with nature they don't live in like refined magical cities like a high elf would they tend to live in small villages that um are like deep deep within like the wilderness of the forest and whatnot they live one with nature and they they just make their lives um as um hunters and gatherers and they they're craftsmen they you know weave baskets and they you know they might do a little bit of forgery so not wood elf like carving like or just well i mean they could be carvers you know but more wood elf like the woods the forest. yeah the woods yeah exactly yeah so <laughs> they tend el- to live in the woods elves yeah. of the plant elves of the earth yes okay yes and um not assholes no, they're kind of still assholes. Like, wood elves have a tendency to still have the same attitude where they, they don't trust other races that aren't elves or they don't necessarily find other races to be their equal because to them no other race is as wise or as knowledgeable or as patient or as beautiful or as you know, the list goes on and on and on. So is a wood, let's compare like a wood elf to a high elf. Is, are high elves typically older, like more experienced in the world than a, like a wood elf would be? No, they have you know similar like lifespans and whatnot. I think in the vanilla D and D lore, high elves probably predate wood elves. Wood elves, in my experience, they usually had a split off at some point, like an ideological difference, and they just went a different way. 
Um, they generally they get along better than like say high elf would with humans or dwarves, but the high elves and wood elves have their differences, and high elves really look down at wood elves in their own way. Is that vice versa also? You know, um, it's usually yeah, kind of yeah. I mean, wood elves rather than look down on high elves, they probably just have a distaste for them. Um, and they probably just don't like the fact that high elves have so much of a greater distance between themselves and nature the way the wood elves, you know, have. So are there more, uh, are there more, like how many wood elves are there in compared to high elves? Like it generally it just depends that on the campaign, all right? depends on the campaign. It could be any way you want it. So what's up with your world? So in my world, um, in the world that you guys like actually live in, in the mortal realm, there would be way more wood elves than there would be high elves. But that's because most of the high elves in my campaign setting make their home in the Feywild. And they, they do some crossing over between the realms. But hashtag Fey bullshit. Yeah, hashtag Fey bullshit, um, which we can get into in a totally different episode where we talk about the Feywild, <laughs> which is a crazy, crazy place. Don't like it. Well, um, I do, but I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. I love Fey stuff. I think it's it's fascinating. It's interesting. And uh, that's actually another point. Uh, the elves in D&D are what are considered to be Fey creatures. They have Fey ancestry. And the Fey is in... Our mythology and normal Earth realm mythology comes from um, old Celtic mythology, and um, that's like the uh, like the word fairy. Yeah, stuff, fa- the yeah. word fairy comes from that. Yeah, which um, in my Wikipedia reading, uh, elves and fairies were hand in hand before Tolkien. I mean, there were um, yeah, yeah, they, they were, were considered very similar or the same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, they were. Um, so, um, oh yeah, so back to my campaign. So yeah, in my world, uh, yeah, wood elves would probably outnumber high elves by a fair margin, but that's just in the mortal realm. I would say, like, if you compared their entire populations, there might be more high elves, because the high elves in my world live in great cities, like fully populated metropolises. Full of elves, right? Full of elves, yeah. They don't want to. They don't want to deal Full with that other scum. Elves. There might be some gnomes that mingle. Um, there might be some wood elves that even mingle, but it's going to be like ninety. Only the ones that elves. gain the respect. You can live in our town, gnome. Get in here. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You done good. Um, um, before moving on to the next race of elves, actually, for something I forgot to mention is one of the differences between high elves and wood elves. High elves get a plus one to their intelligence score. And that's supposed to reflect the fact that high elves are educated people. They pride themselves on their knowledge of history, their knowledge of magic, their knowledge of swordplay, their knowledge of pretty much anything they consider to be um, a respected art form. Yeah. High elves have like a general knowledge of magic, like right off the bat. Yeah, they do. Um, As a matter of fact, they gain, um, I believe a free cantrip regardless of whether you're a casting class or not. Yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah. And, um, and they also gain elf weapon training as well, because again, that's just something you're expected to know when you're a high elf. You, you're expected to be a jack of all trades, if you will. So an elf, elf weapons, are they different from your fighter's weapons? Mm, I mean, Mechanically, no. Stylistically, yes. Stylistically, yes. They're going to be like Elven Forge. They'll probably really like thin, slender blades. That pretty. Are, yeah, very pretty. Shiny, yeah, made yeah. with jewels. Very orna- ornamental. Because when you live forever, you have time to find all this cool shit. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, you learn to forge shit real good. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I would say Elven Smiths are, are kind of a stereotype. Uh, dwarves and Elves are usually really competitive, like who's better. Um, yeah, rivals to that. Yeah. Um, What's the name of the of the dwarf in that uh-huh. they, him and Legolas have the banter? I'm oh yeah, Gimli, Gimli, yeah, Gimli, and Legolas, yeah. <laughs> that fool's I love nuts. Gimli. Gimli's awesome. Um, 
I can't wait for the dwarves episode because I love dwarves too. Yeah, I love all the I love all the D and D races, so they're all a lot of fun. Another thing that I love the, all my children. <laughs> another thing that the high elves get is again because they're just so damn smart. Uh, all high elves have an extra language, so if you choose to be a high elf, you're going to get a little extra knowledge in that department. And you pick, uh, you can just pick whatever language, right? Yeah, you can pick whatever language. Is there a language that's better than another language? Is it, um, is it ranked? Everyone knows it is, common. It is not ranked. There's no ranking of the languages. Knowing um, Elven seems pretty good. Yeah, I imagine it would, especially if you have to deal with elves. Or I guess it's Elvish. It, it's yes. Oh my god. Excuse me. In in fifth edition of D anD D, they changed the name of a lot of languages, and I don't know why they did this. And to me, it just sounds silly. And I don't know why it bugs me so much. It used to be Elven. It used to be Dwarven. Well, it was always Orcish, but it used to be Elven and Dwarven. And for some reason, in this edition, they just changed it to Elvish and Dwarfish. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, we wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for listening. We really appreciate your support. If you like what we do here at the Dungeon Cast, please spread the word and tell your friends about us. You can find us on soundcloud.com slash thedungeoncast on iTunes or click the link in our description to hear us on YouTube. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. If you have a question, suggestion, or you just want to say hi, feel free to leave a comment. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at thedungeoncast or send us an email at thedungeoncast at gmail.com. That's it for the break. Enjoy the rest of the show.
So Hiles get that intelligence boost and the extra language and the, the cantrip regardless of whether they're a fighter or a wizard. Um, wood elves get some other things. They get a plus one to their wisdom, and that's supposed to represent their attunement with nature. It's like, yeah, they might not be educated in the ways of history or not necessarily educated in the ways of magic or anything like that, but like they can commune with nature, and they understand... Um, inherent things about nature and animals and plant life and maybe herbalism and um they uh, a wood elf probably makes a better druid well a high elf probably makes a better wizard so um would you say the wood elf is uh more in touch with like the fey side of things as far as elves go um since it's like in nature my experience with the fey is like you know it's all in nature the fey is a strange place in well, in my experience and in the way I interpret it in my world, the Fae, though it is a place of nature, is more a place of magic. Yeah, like um, the nature, like that, a lot of illusion magic, right? A lot of illusion, a lot so of that, enchantment that's magic. That's why when you brought up wisdom, because that's a wisdom saving throw for, it is. for those, right? It so is. With, uh, that's why I feel like maybe that's you know yeah, connected. Sure, it could absolutely be. I, I like that connection. That sounds really cool, actually. Um, but I would say, at least in my world, in my interpretation of the Feywild, the the nature that is there isn't very natural. It's all very, like, arcanely boosted. Okay. Um, real uh, chaotic yeah, in nature. Real chaotic in nature. The Feywild, though it's very beautiful, is a very dangerous place. It's not a place you guys ever want to end up. Yeah. Um, elves are also chaotic in nature, typically, right? Typically so, yes. They they are not very bound by laws or traditions necessarily. More They're like very free driven form. by need. Yeah, driven by need, um, driven by just a desire to do good for the most part. That's the thing. Like elves might be arrogant. They might be um, kind Dicks. of assholes, but like they're they're supposed to be fairly inherently good creatures. <laughs> uh, which kind of brings us to the next sub race and. Um, a subrace that I'm actually surprised made it into Player's Handbook, and not that I'm complaining because I think it has every right to be there. Some would argue that it does not, but there are a subrace of elves called called the Dark Elves, or more commonly called the Drow. The Drow, which all the way up until now, the Drow are pretty much inherently and completely evil. Um, they had a splitting off with their original race, like way back in the D and D history, where um, they were tricked by a dark goddess named Lolth, the Spider Queen. And they started a war, and things went badly, and they ended up all being banished into what's called the Underdark, which is a realm that exists deep, deep beneath the Earth. And they've just lived there for millennia, fighting amongst themselves and worshipping Lolth and whatnot. And it hasn't been until probably the last like 10 to 15 years that they've tried they've started to try and break that mold mostly with a character who is incredibly incredibly popular in the forgotten realm series named uh dritz Dorden. and he is basically a dark elf who was born in the underdark into this race of people that are horrible terrible and incredibly cruel and wicked and he rejected his race he fled the underdark and became a ranger and has actually established himself as a great defender of good and it's kind of gotten to the point where he's so popular that he's almost a cliche now. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a cool idea. There's a reason that idea is so popular. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's very inspiring to see that, you know? Like, this person came from one place, but he rejected it and grew above it, which is always nice and cool. Yeah. And uh, for me, uh, when it comes to Dark Elves, Dark Elves can be whatever you want them to be in your world. I know a lot of DMs, like, will not let their players roll Dark Elves because they're like, no, Dark Elves are evil. They're monsters. You can't be one. Okay. I disagree with that. But they have um 
they're sentient. They have like emotions yeah, and things like that. They're people, god yeah. damn it. <laughs> they have a culture. Too. Yeah, they, they do. live in um what's that uh area in Pokemon Platinum, the underground? Um or, oh yeah, the underground. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading on the underdark and it like spans the uh like continents and it stuff. Does. It and does. it's just like a bunch of like uh, networks of caves and caverns and yeah. tunnels. And I was like, yeah. that's like Pokemon. Yeah. I'm gonna go down there and find exactly, some fossils. Yeah. Somewhat similar. Um Nope, I'm gonna go down there and get killed by dark. Yeah, bells. it's its own ecosystem down there. But kind of back let's let's uh get back to the like the mechanics of a dark elf um because of their culture which is very um very deceptive very wicked underhanded they're also they intimidate each other it's it's like a game of thrones constantly down there they're always vying for power but it's the matriarchy right it's a, it is a matriarchy which we'll get into a bit but because of their culture um all dark elves get a plus 1 to charisma which is again your ability to uh, push your will into others, whether that's through deception or persuasion hmm? or intimidation. intimidation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're probably not going to be um, charismatic in like a um, in a charming sense, right? I mean, they can be, but maybe not necessarily. Maybe like a more alluring, like yeah, yeah. I see. Okay, uh, you definitely. And again, that's all up for interpretation. They um their dark vision is highly, highly enhanced because of the fact that they live in the dark. You know, the Underdark has very little to no light sources whatsoever. So their dark vision is extremely enhanced. They, they get double the dark vision, superior dark vision, compared to the rest of the elves. Do they have a aversion to, like, sunlight? They do. Um, in this, there is a mechanical aversion to sunlight, which, for me, really gimps the race pretty badly um, because... In fourth edition, at least, they didn't have anything like that. But um, because of sunlight sensitivity, um, the dark elves have, whenever they're in uh, bright light of any kind, they basically take disadvantage on everything, like all wisdom, saving throws, perception, skills, and st- and the like, and also attack rolls. Operate at night, which or... is really brutal. Like if you're like, well, I want to play a dark elf who, like Dritz, uh, you know, rejected my. Uh, culture and yada 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 and like but i come up here and i suck at everything i do because you know <laughs> like normal people operate during the day and that's kind of not fun so that's why i say dark elves should kind of be whatever you want them to be in my world there are the evil uh dark elves that still live underground but in my world there was a great civil war and a great exodus of dark elves that left the underdark and rejected their um culture and whatnot and tried to come up and live amongst mortals and though it's been a rocky road for them for the last thousand years or so some have managed to make a home and live good lives and for me i'm like eh, they probably wouldn't necessarily have sunlight sensitivity okay but, they've become like in tune more with like right. their their ancestry and like being in the light right right but maybe to balance that out i'll take away their superior dark vision and give them normal dark vision and then, but there's a, there's other features that make a dark elf a dark elf. Um, they have a different type of magic they're attuned with, um, where the high elf gets a cantrip, and I probably even a cup. Let me see. They get a they get one extra cantrip. Um, dark elves gain certain spells at certain levels. So they gain a spell called Dancing Lights. It's a cantrip at level one. At level three, they're capable of casting the spell Fairy Fire, and at fifth level they can cast a spell darkness. And the difference between the magic between the high elf and dark elf also is the casting ability where uh, high elves, their cantrip has to be based off their intelligence. Um, the drows, all the drow spells that the drow can cast are based off their charisma. Okay. So that's just fun little fact there. And then um, they, the drow get a drow weapon training, which is 
they're automatically trained to like crossbows and daggers and like short swords and, and the like. It's a little bit different from normal elven training. Um, I know elves, regular elves get, um, so they get advantage on saving throws against being charmed, like against that's like a lot oh, of face yeah. stuff and things like that. Um, do dark elves get something like that? They, they do because that's part of the fey ancestry feature. Um, all elves get that. Even half elves get that. Sweet. That's pretty good. Yeah, it, it is solid. It will come up a lot. Well, if you're an elf. What kind of stuff charms you? Um, well, usually Char- face. Charmed is a condition. Charmed is a like condition. Mechanically imposed upon you. It is. Um, a lot of times it'll be um, obviously spellcasters that know charm spells. But fey creatures, we're talking like wood nymphs. We're talking hags. We're talking... Um, uh, what else? Um, Those are the most more like sentient fey stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there's lots of stuff in the Fae, that, at least lot. in my experience, that yeah. will just fuck you up and not give a shit and not talk to you. Dryads will probably try and uh, charm you. I believe like unicorns and the like can probably charm you. Um, also, things that aren't remotely Fae, like Succubi, they can charm the hell out of you. Um, so uh, a lot of things can charm you in this game. Yeah, I read something that Dark Elves are more uh, kind of like a succubus in nature. Yeah, I would say just like they're they tend to chaotic evil and succubi tend to be neutral or kind chaotic of starting evil. To connect the dots between like the um the Celtic and uh Germanic uh version of elf with dark elf is kind of more synonymous. Right, yeah, it's true. Um and that also plays into in in Fey mythology, there are two courts that they're called, like two halves to the Fey. There's the Seelie and the Unseelie. Um, well, the Sealy aren't necessarily good. They kind of err more on the side of what we would we mortals would call ethical, okay. while um, Unsealy fall on the other side, even though they're not necessarily evil, which is something we'll get into when we talk about the Feywild, is um, Fey creatures have a different sense of morality. Like, okay. it's not like you would normally think. Yeah, they're, um, they're, they're very They have a very different nature than than your typical human. Exactly. Or like what, what we outside of the game would think is ethical or unethical. Yeah. It's more like a yin and yang split, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but remember, elves aren't actually fae. They just have right. fae ancestry. So right. they're more along the lines of what we would normally think of moral and ethics and all that stuff. Um, so those that's all the mechanical stuff here when you're choosing your your race for um your character in Dungeons and Dragons. And you're getting dex, you're getting dexterity, you're getting um dark vision, um perception is good, can't uh your advantage against charms. Um elves don't sleep necessarily. I mean they, they meditate. Can sleep. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, why? why would I would you? never fucking sleep in a campaign if I could <laughs> just like meditate for right. four hours and be, be right. cool. Like no way. Yeah. I always kinda like the idea of playing around with uh, the whole trance thing and like using the trance in such a way where it's like, yeah, it works and it counts as a long rest, but you can only do it so many times before your body really needs the actual sleep. That makes sense. I've like, never you can't just do that forever. Yeah. I've never actually implemented that idea, but I've always thought, you know, that'd be kinda cool. You know, Eventually, their body would need like some kind of like real sleep, you know, because yeah. you 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 need to dream. That's something scientifically, like at least as human beings, we have to sleep and we have to dream. If we don't, we lose our minds, so, <laughs> and eventually, you could die from not sleeping. So, so these elves living forever. Um, we should talk about or that. Or possibly a bit. not in normal D and D lore. Elves don't live forever. In in vanilla. Normal D and D, they live about seven hundred, eight hundred, maybe nine hundred years, and that's that. An old elf is nine hundred years yeah. old, and thousand years old. Yeah, exactly. An ancient elf would be about that old. Um, and the thing about elves is they don't show their age, 
they just die. <laughs> they just oh. <laughs> yeah. They stay young looking to the day they die. They just like one day um, they, they tell you, yeah, it could be this week, man. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. That's, Not feeling great. Looking crazy. good though. Yeah. I'm looking great. <laughs> you look fantastic. Always for a thousand years, I've looked so good. <laughs> one thousand years of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but in in my world, um, I I I would like to think that. Although they are not immortal in in my campaign, they live a lot longer than seven hundred and fifty years. I would say an old elf and the world that your guy you guys are campaigning in right now, an old ancient elf would be near two thousand years old, and that's kind of getting towards the end of their lifespan. Uh, can you compare that to a dwarf for me? Like, um, what? How long would a dwarf live in your world? In my world, dwarves live to be about mm, three hundred. That's that's a long ass time. It is, and, but still very short to an elf. Yeah. yeah. So, because um, in your world, do they um, do dwarves and elves have that like competition amongst a them? A little bit, but it's not as exacerbated or like cliche as it is in normal like fantasy. Got it. Like, dwarves, <laughs> they're stupid, or elves, they suck. You know, yeah. I don't know. Okay, but um, but yeah. So in my world, they they live a very long time, and that does a lot to you when you live that long. Like um, you guys just experienced some interaction with some elves not that long ago where they demanded a certain amount of wealth from you for oh my God. a service that you guys really, really needed. Um, and you guys were really upset by how much they asked for, which was, although they're used to that kind of behavior from you know humans and dwarves, they yeah. don't understand it. Because for them, like the material is merely a ways of getting other things they need. They're not so attached to it because they live so long, the material seems so fleeting to them. I guess we should explain that scenario. We were, yeah. um, our party was on a boat mm-hmm. that was heading down a river that we kind of like, we didn't commission it, but we were, um, we were given like a captain and a, and a sh- who had a ship. Yes. And we were riding along to make it to uh, a new city where we had, a, we had something to accomplish there. That's not important for the story, but um, uh, we were entering the Fae and some elves came up to our boat and were like, Hey, um, you're about to head into hashtag fate bullshit, but we can we can help uh, you not get so fucked up. Uh, that'll be ten percent of everything you got on you. And uh, my character likes to ride on the top of the mast on ships because he likes the feel of the breeze and stuff, and he likes to look, like be on lookout and things like that. Um, so he just kind of hid for a little bit because he's kind of greedy he heard that go down he's like oh fuck that no way yeah and the rest of the party was subject to it and they were like oh fuck this you suck yeah yelling like ensued almost immediately everyone was really <laughs> upset um and the elves even went so far as to to say like actually 10 percent was a lot higher than they normally ask but they had been subject to orc raids over and over and over again over the season they they just they really needed it and that did not matter to you guys. You guys did not give a shit about their fucking problems. <laughs> Everyone was so pissed. Yeah. But because, like, the elves have uh, th- their long lives, that they don't view materials the same. So uh, to them, that's foreign, which is kind of interesting to role play that or to, to jump into that. It's like, how do you how do you do that? Yeah, it was really natural for every um, all our characters are very um, attached to their material possessions mm-hmm. because they they frequently save our lives. Yeah. OK, that's valid. That's very <laughs> true. Um, one thing I've noticed when players tend to roll elves is they almost always roll a young elf because it's easier to jump into a young elf's point of view because a young elf is going to be closer to a human's perspective than, say, an elf who's 900 years old and yeah. he's seen some shit. And if you're playing a character that's 900 years old, that's 900 years of backstory. Why are you still level one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Damn, man, so. you didn't do you didn't lift anything didn't for anything. 900 years. Like, you were a really shitty elf for a long time. <laughs> he's the basket weaver. 
Uh, he's yeah, so good true. at it. That's true. He's so good at making baskets. I've seen, I've seen some really cool um, versions of elves kind of talking about like elves going that long not doing anything. Um, there were some books I used to read back when I was a kid. And in this world, elves were immortal. And they lived such long lives that they literally would spend whole centuries learning the art of basket weaving, like learning the art of chilling. Yeah. Learning the art of chilling. (laughs) But then after a couple of centuries being like, ah, I'm going to go do something else now. And like, then they would go off and maybe become like a, a a sailor for another couple hundred years. And they would just kind of like slowly explore all life had to offer. And it really led to an interesting culture and whatnot. It was really cool to read. Yeah. You get to take your time and eventually you weave a basket out of wicker so tightly that you can carry water to your town. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Why not? Uh, one of the things that uh, I was reading in the player's handbook uh, the other day was, uh, and I, I really like this, and so I'm actually going to read it directly out of the handbook because I thought it was a cool little flavor thing, is that although elves can be haughty, and gener- they are generally gracious, even to those who fall short of their high expectations, which is mostly everybody who isn't an elf. Um <laughs> Still, they can find good in just about anyone. And here are some excerpts of like things that an elf would say about dwarves. Dwarves are dull, clumsy oafs, but what they lack in humor, sophistication, and matters, they make up in for they make up for in valor. And I must admit, their best smiths produce art that approaches elven quality. <laughs> so it's like even when they're complimenting, it's kind of like backhanded compliments. Yeah, you're not as good as me, but yeah, like, yeah, but you're pretty good. That's passable. You're shit. okay. Your best is okay. Yeah. So uh, I just thought that was kind of a funny excerpt from the yeah, that, handbook. That which, catches it pretty well yeah, in a nutshell. I thought so. Um, let's get back to the ten percent thing. So they, their ideal, their ideal, like they, their, I guess the point of that is so that anyone who requires the service of like since they're trying to help us fight off fey bullshit. Yeah, they were trying to guide you guys through um, a force that was so heavily influenced by the fey that you could accidentally fall into the Feywild at any given point if you didn't know what you were doing. Right. Which so, none of you did. Yeah, so the 10%, I mean, it's it was worth it in the end for us. But the yeah. richer the man, the more upset he might be uh, right. at this. Right. But anyone who comes and asks for the service can get it because it, it's literally 10% of everything you have on you. So poor people will get passage. Yeah, and that was kind of the idea because elves didn't want to bar passage from everybody they just wanted to make it they wanted to even the playing field if you will yeah we, um, we're gonna help you get through here we need but we need shit for our town and mm-hmm. like we we have to take something it's only fair to ask something of everybody yeah and i even went so far as to literally expose you guys to some of the stuff that they were dealing with you guys ended up having to like deal with orc raids and like help a village that was literally being attacked and you guys still lacked any empathy for these guys because they took your shit <laughs> that was, <laughs> it was like, pretty fun yeah, it was well i was funny. rohan was okay because he actually well, you you were okay because you got away with not losing anything <laughs> well no 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 i i did come down and i did, did you? i did i did put some stuff out oh but yeah i was yeah. carrying very very valuable materials on me right and i hid them you did. You did successfully. <laughs> I almost the boat almost sank and I almost lost them oh, a couple yeah. times and yeah. uh I really got to find some kind of safety deposit box for my my precious materials. Yeah, you got some really precious stuff on you that you're just carrying. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't really trust anybody else with it, so yeah, I was like um <laughs> <laughs> But it's almost, I sometimes I set down my pack and I like things are going on and I I don't want to lose them. Yeah, definitely. But uh yeah, definitely. I, I I definitely snuck one by those nasty elves taking my stuff. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Monster Energy Drink. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> like five of them. Like five Monster Energy. 
We have talked about uh, many things about elves. Uh, let's talk more about running an elf, rolling an elf, being an elf, role playing as an elf. Yeah, okay, definitely. Yeah, and there's a lot of things to consider when you're when you're rolling an elf. You know, we talked about they live long lives and they tend to be elegant and they tend to be in the know or they'll have attunement to nature or whatnot. So it's pretty easy to get your elf out of the house, uh, so to speak. Um, yeah, elves are a curious lot. Actually, they talk about that a little bit in the player's handbook. So like. Um, Eventually, elves will get curious and want to explore the world, so it's, it is easy to get your yeah. elf out of the house. They're not going to stay home forever. There's too much no. time in their lives to yeah. want to do that. Yeah, but uh, but when role-playing your elf, you got to take things in consideration. Um, you live a very long life, so you might not be so hasty to do anything at any given time um, because you feel like you have all the time in the world, and you kind of do. Whereas humans, like, you know, humans live to be, what, about 80 if if they're lucky sometimes and you know like humans are hasty and we are rash and um and because of our limited time we are more ambitious in a way while elves usually you know take their time and they don't see what what the rush is a lot of the time so that might be something you want to role play or you could like kind of like break out of the mold and be an elf who's not like other elves and you are a little rash and a little hasty and you haven't really you know you're still young and you haven't really lived enough life to gain that wisdom yet and that's kind of cool and fun that's uh, a couple of the elves that i've ran are along that line where they're young and they're just they just want to get out there and live their lives so young for an elf uh one hundo or like, yeah usually my elves are usually like 97 to like 120 i'm an adult i'm, I'm gonna leave now okay bye <laughs> yeah pretty much um, but they're really just a young whippersnapper, and they look like eighteen, even though they're one hundred and twenty. Yeah, and they're sexy. Yeah, of course. You know, they gotta be. They gotta be beautiful. That's actually something I've seen changing in um, modern pop culture when it comes to elves, which is strange to me because I grew up on like classic elves. So elves, elves are always beautiful. They're always elegant. They're they're almost indescribable because like no one alive exists looks like that. But yeah, no, nobody really looks like Orlando Bloom. No. <laughs> That's why they cast him. Yeah, but, well, I mean, Orlando Bloom's like, you know, so he's a pretty. beautiful man. He He's as close as we can get, you know? To the elf. But but I've noticed in, a, in uh, you know, I'll cite, like, Elder Scrolls is a good one. Like, elves and a lot of modern pop culture, uh, they just look kind of weird. They just look like weird humans, like uh, a little tall, a little alien looking, a little, you yeah, know. Yeah, what about, like, Legend ears. of Zelda? Those 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 characters all oh, the kinda, Hyrule like the Hyrule people yeah, yeah they all look like elves they're they have pointy ears yeah elves um, yeah um, they're very they're they're not elves they're human like yeah they well, just kind of look but, like oh yeah, yeah I mean like they're they're Hylian they're, the, they're that world's human right like standard right, exactly. race I guess if you want to call it that they just all have pointy ears for some reason why yeah. not cool fun um but uh or like I've been playing the the online game D and D Neverwinter which takes place in the Forgotten Realms campaign and the elves kind of look a little weird. Like they don't look like the beautiful paradigms of human beauty that I'm used to in in Tolkien's work, in McKiernan's work, in Dragonlance, you right. know, in in many of the other things that I've read. Do you um, want to talk about Forgotten Realms at all? No, mostly because <laughs> like I'm not as well versed in Forgotten Realms as I'm sure like some of our listen, listeners may be, and many other people are. Um, I just never got super into it, even though it's easily the most popular and prolific fantasy series that is tied to the D&D mythos. The Forgotten Realms is a campaign setting, right? Yeah, it's one of the, the many D&D campaign settings. Yeah, when you're running a game, you have the option of um, creating your own campaign setting or borrowing from somebody else's, like a Greyhawk or... 
or okay. Dragonlance or yeah. Dark Sun or Eberron or Planescape, and there's there's a bunch of others too. Um, fifth edition actually kind of broke the mold by outright saying that from now on the vanilla D and D setting is Forgotten Realms. It, it. it never used to be like that. I understand why they made the move. It's probably a smart move. Uh, speaking about it, like. Now, just as a business move, it's probably a smart move to attach themselves to the most uh, popular of the D&D settings. But um, but that being said, it wasn't like that before. And uh, I actually liked 4th Edition's take where it's like, not only do we have a vanilla D&D setting that's just like a general setting, they actually decided to dive into it and, um, and uh, develop it. Unfortunately, it only lasted a short time. But it was really cool, the stuff they came up with. I, I really liked it. Yeah, if you're um maybe you're short on time, maybe um you're not like super creative when it comes to world building, so you can always uh take inspiration from others. That's why these things exist. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, and with that we're going to call it a game. I want to thank everybody again for listening. It's been a great time doing this show and I just really want to Hang on, do you smell that? Of course not. This is a podcast. But I'll tell you what, it smells like wisdom, and you know what that means. It's time for the Sage DM. Go ahead and take it away, Sage DM. Hey everybody, Sage DM here with your Sage DM advice for the week. Remember, and I take this one pretty seriously, by candlelight, every country's winches are handsome. Goodbye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.